Before we start, there's three things we want to quickly discuss before we dive into today's episode. First, we often throw a lot of information at you in these episodes, and this episode is no exception. This is done so we don't waste your time by over-exploring a simple concept. This is a crash course in the challenges of sustainability, so the info comes fast. However, since it's a podcast, don't be shy to listen to it more than once or do more research on your own. We oftentimes re-listen to episodes just to try and remember what we have already referenced and discussed, particularly because we try not to repeat information too much. I guarantee that re-listening is weirder for me. Most people aren't huge fans of listening to recordings of their own voices. Second, we realize some of the topics we talk about on this show are polarizing topics that can often evoke strong emotions out of people. Our intent is not to pointlessly enrage anyone, but as this episode will demonstrate, it is more than likely that we will upset some people on both sides of the sustainability spectrum. And much like we mentioned back in episode 8, when we were talking about fact-checking websites like Snopes.com, the challenge with remaining as neutral and unbiased as possible is that you risk angering both sides. Third, I apologize for the length of this episode and last episode. We do our best to be as concise as possible without sacrificing value and content. But the length of these two episodes should really go to show just how important thinking critically is. With that out of the way, here goes. Last week, I incorrectly used a word on the show. The word was inconsequential, as in the word itself, not that it was inconsequential. Normally, once the mistake is caught by either Carlos or myself, we would re-record the episode. But we realize that we are human, and there's probably a high chance there are other errors such as this in the other episodes we have recorded. So rather than correct it, we mention the error in the episode description, and we're going to use it as a springboard for today's episode. Hopefully, errors are kept at a minimum, but if you do happen to catch any, please email us at the address we leave at the end of each episode. It would be upsetting if some listeners experienced anchoring bias by catching a mistake that we overlooked, then doubted the rest of what we're saying on the basis of that single mistake. Or, if incorrect use of tone or other writing error resulted in our overall messages and underlying concepts being misinterpreted. We don't pretend to be perfect, but we do our very best to ensure the episodes are as close to it as possible. By that, we mean of course the content and material, not my terrible presentation style and lame jokes. Also last week, We briefly mentioned debates and how the way the world engages in them needs to update to reflect the times. We need to move away from argumentative and confrontational styles of discussion and introduce more collaboration and more methodical ways to discuss options and ideas. With that in mind, we're going to explore various styles of debating as well as logical fallacies and human behavioral issues such as confirmation bias. Sounds interesting? Possibly not to everyone, so to make it more fun, I'll do my best to present exactly how these tactics are used to sway public opinion by using them while I'm explaining them. Yep, you guessed it. I'm basically giving myself permission to tactfully behave like a butthole. 
Let's start off with an example of a false dichotomy. There are two types of people in the world. People who think our intro is awesome, and people that have no taste. Welcome to Viable Underdogs, where we try and teach you cool things and hopefully encourage everyone to become a bit more sustainable. My name is John, the straw man Carlos is with me as well. This is episode 23, and yes, you are indeed seeing that number everywhere. Today, we're doing our best not to alienate any listeners when we discuss logical fallacies and other human behavior factors that make it difficult for us to reach a global consensus on issues like sustainability. Going back to the false dichotomy, as much as it pains us to say it, chances are there are people out there that do not enjoy our intros and still have great taste. But strategies such as these are used all the time to win debates. Now, it is very tempting to enter into a large exploration of the sport of debating. The tactics and strategies used by famous debaters and politicians are actually pretty interesting. The important thing to remember though is that the winning or losing of a debate has nothing to do with whether the underlying ideas being debated are valid or not. What this means is just because one debater talks quicker, is wittier, or more charming, it does not mean that their opinions or ideas are more valid. Actually, it has zero bearing on whether they are correct. And this is strange, since it's still a method we use when discussing important topics like sustainability. The problem of the winner and loser of a debate is further compounded with factors such as imposter syndrome which is an internal feeling of fraud that many experts feel in their respective fields. The more you learn, the more you realize you don't know, causing some experts to doubt their abilities. So this creates the problem that the ignorant think they're 100% right, and the informed are uncertain about their opinions. By presenting the imposter syndrome, are we subconsciously trying to tell you that we lack confidence? <clears throat> Of course not. It's not uncommon for debaters to launch personal attacks, otherwise fancily known as ad hominems, at each other. If a person decided to engage me in a debate, they could claim that I know nothing about sustainability because my technical background is mostly in automotive mechanics. And what does a mechanic know about sustainability? Hopefully, the information presented on this show speaks for itself. After all, how do you know Carlos isn't the genius behind all this? Now here's the real challenge. It's very difficult for people not to engage in these types of logical fallacies, and it can be quite difficult not to let our emotions get the better of us. We could talk about this exact subject for days, and in some ways, we want to. Thinking critically is important to every field if we want to ensure we are not complicit in the further poisoning of our well of knowledge, which we talked about last episode. We're not here to try and convince anyone that we are 100% right, but we are trying to encourage people to think critically and come to their own conclusions about important issues like sustainability. And we sincerely hope that the conclusions formed are mostly free of biases and other preconceptions. Confirmation bias is something we're all susceptible to, and it's basically a way of saying that we seek out data and information that confirms our preconceptions, 
and we ignore data and information that contradicts these preconceptions. The reason we explored nuclear power in episode 5 and vegan and vegetarian lifestyles in episode 4 was exactly for this reason. Although there is promise in both of these suggestions in playing a role as part of a greater overall strategy to address sustainability, some people are probably far too hopeful in the results these suggestions could yield. It's quite likely that any realistic change will require many solutions working together and not just one or two strategies on their own. This concept was the basis for episode 13. And this presents an interesting, albeit less than ideal, notion. Those that take these firmer stances and think aggressive and arguably unrealistic results are possible from these strategies, they probably think that we are doing them a disservice. We here at Viable Underdogs could be seen as the bad guys. No one ever thinks they're the bad guys. Not even Thanos, and he was only concerned about sustainability as well. Not that we endorse his methods. There's no shortage of discussions out there about leaning left or right, even in the fields of science. We're not here to tell you if one method or one thing is better than the other. We're only here to tell you that the world's current method of addressing sustainability isn't working. We're not against the idea that nuclear power or eating less meat could single-handedly solve all of our problems. But just like we mentioned last episode, the evidence provided to suggest these ideas has currently been found lacking. Feel free to re-listen to those episodes if you need a refresher. Scientists are still human and subject to the same emotions and human behavior as the rest of us. As we've stated before on the show, the statistics we poll can often cast a much wider net than we would like. This means the data is not as useful as we would need it to be. One of our goals is to correct this and eventually provide data that is free from obvious bias. Because these biases make it difficult for us to globally ascertain the damage that's been caused and the solutions necessary, including what our main focuses should be when it comes to sustainability. Some, on both sides of the political spectrum, are screaming propaganda, fake news, and corruption. Like it or not, it seems we cannot separate science from politics. Which is a shame, because a scientific method really only ought to present one of three results. A positive result, a negative result, or a requirement for further research. This isn't what we're getting, just general confusion. And it's unclear whether this is being caused by ignorance, conspiracy, stupidity, general chaos, or a terrible mixture of all. The world is in desperate need of results, which we are all currently lacking in. There is already enough finger-pointing and argumentative debates that employ all of the logical fallacies we already talked about and countless others. And this is coming from both sides of the spectrum and both sides of the sustainability issue. We care about the same things as unbiased science cares about. Is the conclusive result positive or negative, or do we need to do more research to determine if the conclusive result is positive or negative. Are we oversimplifying or presenting another false dichotomy? I suppose that's up to you to decide, but how can we expect to engage in healthy discussions when we default to debates that have a better place in the schoolyard 
rather than between mature professionals. Referring back to the perspective of the bad guy we mentioned earlier, we realize there is a distinct possibility that we upset people that reside on either side of certain spectrums. And it's not our intent to needlessly upset anyone. This isn't a gimmick where we try to gain popularity by being rude, edgy, or all-out offensive. Our target demographic is everyone, because globally, we are all somewhat responsible for the state the world is in. A modified version of a somewhat famous quote portrays this nicely. It says, No snowflake feels responsible for the avalanche. It's tempting to say the name often supposedly misattributed to this quote, Voltaire, rather than the Polish author whose name I'm about to butcher. Stanislaw Jerzy Letts. Opinions and thought patterns are slow to change, sometimes spanning an entire generation of people, or even several generations of people, in order to see a change in overall public opinion. What we're asking of the world is perhaps a bit much. We're asking the world to believe that we're running out of time, and that our unsustainability could result in a significant portion of our species dying off, and there is even a chance we go extinct. This is what the scientific community is currently saying, and it does appear that globally we are starting to slowly accept this. But we here at Viable Underdogs are asking you to believe two additional things in a very short amount of time. First, we've been trying to sell you on the idea that every previous attempt to correct these problems have failed and will likely continue to fail. Many of our previous episodes cover exactly why this is, so we won't waste your time going over it again here. Second, we're trying to sell you on the idea of the strategies we will soon be proposing. New ideas to be integrated into our existing systems and infrastructure to hopefully see a dramatic leap in progress. We're not trying to be cryptic and mysterious by not presenting the idea now. We have aimed to be very transparent in what we do since the start. And since we're still in the middle of our sales pitch we started back in episode 16, we'll add one more sales skill we are currently employing right now. As a seller, there are two main options that can be used to sell something. You can present your idea or product, then answer questions and reservations about it, otherwise known as client objections. Or, you can discuss the client's objections first to ensure that all questions and reservations have been handled to their satisfaction, then present what you're selling. If we were to present our ideas and strategies first, before talking about why they work in these episodes, then we'll soon be scrambling to answer a billion questions. Then the proposed idea will get thrown around, subject to all the logical fallacies, debate skills, and human emotions we mentioned earlier. In essence, at this point, we would be doing damage control, and our world does not have the luxury of time. We hope that by presenting the idea in this style, it will save more time, as counterintuitive as that may sound. As we stated at the start of the episode, we're still human and we'll probably miss some objections, and there may still be some questions that need answering once we present our idea. Our hope, by that point however, is that we have covered enough material for you to at least understand the general idea and hopefully you see the value in it. 
but all of us need to do our best to remove our own biases and preconceptions to many ideas. We need to enter into conversations or even debates with the mindset that our minds are able to change and that we are willing to accept new ideas and opinions if we're presented with enough evidence to support them. It is crucial that this happens, because although we're 100% confident that our strategy will work, our presentation skills are about as good as our business skills, so there's a decent chance of a slight fumble on delivery. If we didn't think that, people could accuse us of having a nirvana fallacy. There are no perfect solutions, but there are certainly better solutions. Hopefully, this episode has been enlightening enough for you to eventually accept the validity of our strategies, even if they're a little rough around the edges when we present them. This podcast, and this episode, are a little rough around the edges too, but that doesn't mean it can't still provide value. After all, as my loving mother would always remind me, it's not the looks that count, even if I have a face only fit for radio. Thanks for listening. As always, please share and forward this podcast. The first step towards realistic sustainability is in knowledge and discussion, and this can't happen without everyone's input. Please send any questions, comments, or logical fallacies to viableunderdogs at gmail.com. Our intro music is composed by Mark Kronowski, and the music currently playing by Jonathan Atkinson. We glossed over many terms and concepts while exploring logical fallacies, and we did not do them a great deal of justice in this episode. We encourage you to research more on the topic and explore more terms like straw man arguments and slippery slopes. The recognition of these tactics is a valuable skill to determine who is providing valid information and who is appealing to more basic human tendencies and emotions on a number of important global topics.